Greetings in Jesus' name again this morning. It's good to be here. I've been here enough times now that I don't come with too many jitters or worried I'm going to go too short or too long. I'll just come and be myself and just be done with it. So, uh, I told my wife i got about three sermons bouncing around in my head this morning. I won't give you all three of them. Uh, last Sunday I preached at Maranatha and I, and I uh, preached about the vision for our church. And I was like, so Dennis asked me to preach it. I'll just share that this morning. So I was getting ready. And I was like, no, that, that wasn't where I was going to go. So I, okay, this, I'll go with this one here. Then I sat down here this morning. I was like, I should, I wonder if I should preach about vision. I think those notes are still in here. And I was like, no, I threw them away. So I don't have them. I'm not going to preach off my phone. Okay, so I don't do that. Uh, so then I got thinking, and then, but then tomorrow morning I'm supposed to have chapel. And so I pulled some notes, printed them off just before I came up here. I was sitting out here looking at my notes, and so now I got that run in my head. And, and that message is on the joy and adventure of serving the Lord. And how the, serving the Lord is, is not just a calm and easy thing to do. Um, Merle Burkholder said that serving the Lord is is more akin to terror. And and there's some nights I lay in bed and remind myself, that's right. He said serving the Lord is akin to terror, and that's just the way it is. And and then you and then you go ahead and do what God asks you to do, and it's like, wow. God worked there and I gotta see that, and that was really great. Let's do that again. You know, so I was thinking about that. And uh pardon pardon me, I went and got my phone out of my van here a little bit ago. And uh, I got a, I saw the sign yesterday and I sent it to my children and a few other people. And I, this probably doesn't quite apply to the spiritual realm, but okay, your life is an is adventure and serving the Lord. Life should not be a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in a pretty and well-preserved body, but rather to skid in broadside in a cloud of smoke, thoroughly used up, totally worn out, and loudly proclaiming, wow, what a ride. I don't, that doesn't quite, we're singing sweetly, Lord, we've heard the, heard the calling. And then it says, and we end at this throne and my wife leans over and says in the cloud of dust, I'm like, oh, I don't know if that, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. But you know, I know people who have ended that way. Brother Leroy Yoder was our bishop for years and he got cancer and he just kept going. And he kept going, and he kept going and filling this set of meetings and that set of meetings, and he's supposed to go teach at SMBI, and he gets halfway there, and he, he says, I'm too sick. I just can't do it. He turns around and comes home. And we had him scheduled for, for uh, to speak at our minister's meeting, and we'd like him to come speak one last time. He said, I'd love to do it. He calls that day and says, you know, he says, I'm, I'm just too sick. I just cannot do it. And he just kept going until he literally stopped. Serving the Lord is all he had. So that's going through my head. So what I'm, what I'm going to share this morning, though, is is kind of the opposite of that. <laughs> because it isn't necessarily fun to go through life wide open and using up myself. I kind of like to go in my own... I kind of like safety and peace and quiet. And, you know, if, if I had if I had to pick... If I had to pick life the way I want life to be, okay, I told my church at home that that uh, the life I live is not the life I signed up for when I signed up for life. It just wasn't what I had in mind. But if I had to choose life, I would probably choose 
a little cabin out in the Rocky Mountains somewhere in the shade of the mountains, and there'd be nice green lush grass in the yard and some flowers around, and it'd be warm and cozy, not too hot. I just, you know, just that comfortable temperature to go out and kind of putz around the yard, you know, and not too much work, but enough to go out and keep you busy, you know, and kind of keep at it. It'd just be kind of a relaxing place to live. I wouldn't have to be rich. But on the other hand, I, I wouldn't want to have to worry about my finances either. You know, have enough to live comfortably, and if you need it, you get it, and, you know, just, just kind of just be there. All my children would be obedient and live happily ever after. And uh, church would be a place where we're all mature Christians, but we would bring new people in because that's what we want, you know, and they would just come in and joyfully learn about the Lord and join in and plug into the church, and it just be church would be a happy, joyful place to go. Um... Work would be, you know, something that I, I would enjoy doing. I wouldn't be roofing. Uh, I'd be, you know, building like high-end cabins for people. And they're, they're not, they're really easy to work for. You know, just kind of just get it done, have it nice. And then just every day, just kind of a night. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I like. Um, ice creams, ice cream cones in the summer and a fireplace in the winter. And life would all be great. That's what I like. And I suspect you probably would be just... You'd be fine with that too, you know? You plant your crops in the summer and they turn out well and there's no bugs and it's no drought and there's the grandkids are close by but not you don't have to babysit them too often, you know? And just kind of everything's hunky-dory. That's a little bit the opposite of wearing yourself out, okay? We just like this we just like life nice and nice and normal. But in case you haven't figured it out yet, life isn't like that. At least my life isn't. There's work isn't always fun. We have nasty roofs we have to do sometimes. Um, it's hot in the summer, and it was 33 below at home yesterday in the winter. And there's people who cause us heartache, and there's sickness. And life is a struggle. And it has been ever since Adam. Life has been a struggle. And I tried to think about, so who would be the, like, who would have the fewest struggles in the whole earth? Okay, like, who would be the most just, you know, Bill Gates had to, like, invent computers, and, and you know, so he had the stress of that. So I thought, well, maybe the Queen of England would have it about as easy as anyone, you know? But if you read the news this week, well, Harry kind of threw some a monkey wrench in her plans, and and so now they're, they're a little stressed over that, you know? And the other thing is, in this day and age, you might have to worry about your your money, your pension. Well, how do they pay you? I mean, maybe the millennials are going to rise up and say, hey, why do we give her money? You know, and we, we'll just soon keep our own tax money. I don't know. Um, so even her life is not perfect. And since life is hard, and we have worry, and we have stress, and we have problems, uh, and we don't like it that way, so we have done the best we can to keep it from being that way. At least I do. You know, I, I want my firewood, I want my stove to be burned hot and dry with good wood, and so I have my wood two years ahead of time, so it can dry and I have a shed for it. I'm going to make sure that's all, that's, that's taken care of. We don't want to be poor like our grandparents were in the Depression. So we save and we hoard, maybe. Um, so that doesn't happen to us. And we worry about how we're going to live when we can no longer work, and so we put money in funds or resources so that we can survive after we can't work any longer. So we... Worry? Try to figure this out. 
and we do our best to control it. And there's some wisdom to that. So I put new tires on my van this fall. Not that they were like going flat, but I say new tires is the best insurance you can have, okay? So they're getting a little low, and so I, if I got to travel in the snow, I'd rather have good tires on than iffy tires, okay? So I'm going to put on good tires so I can, so I can go safely. And I have a plan how to cover my medical bills, and I study ahead before I come to Bible school, so when I get here, I'm not all stressed out. I've, I've been there. And uh, so I've, you know, I know that I want my lessons pretty well put together. And so we got some new teachers this year. And the one guy said the other day, you know, I said, he's just, he's just writing right on the edge. He's just barely surviving, you know. Well, that, that's happened to me, and I don't like that. So I plan ahead of time. So that, I, that doesn't happen to me. So we worry. We want control. We try to figure it out. But we also know that good things come through hard times. And we know that God has a plan for us. And we want God's, do we all want God's will to be done in our lives? Yeah, you're not raising your hands, you're nodding your heads anyhow. Okay, yeah, we want God's will to be done, but we, we would like that. Um, and if hard times will help us get closer to God, we're okay with that. But we want control and we worry about it. And those three things just don't go very well together. But that's the way we try to live our lives. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 12. <clears throat> Luke chapter 12 and verse 22. And he said unto his disciples... Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat, neither for your body what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothe the grass which is today in the field, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye that ye shall eat, or that ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Ye have need of these things. But rather, seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is in your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So this passage here is, Jesus is laying out the importance of his kingdom, and the values of his kingdom, and the unimportance of our thing, and our, our values, or the thing, the earthly things. He's saying, you focus on the eternal, don't focus on the temporal, you focus on the eternal, and I'll take care of you. I'll don't the lilies they they don't worry the sparrows don't worry they're fine, and you are more value than they are, so don't worry about this. And we would all desire if you go down to verse um, four thirty seven it says, "Blessed are those servants whom the Lord when he cometh shall find watching." 
And that, that is, that's who we desire to be. We desire to be servants that are found watching, that are doing the Lord's bidding when he returns. Now you go down to verse 43. He says, Blessed is that servant whom his Lord when he cometh shall find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But, and if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the man servants and maid servants, and to eat and drink and be drunken, the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and at the hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in sunder, and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. Uh, verse, yeah, we'll stop there. So, he's equating here those who have kingdom values and who put the Lord's kingdom first with a wise servant, and he's equating those who worry, who put their things first with being an unjust servant. He's not just we're more concerned about our things, but he, he puts them into um, being drunken and beating the men, the others, and so on. He will cut him asunder. And I'm convinced that we as Christians all want God's best for us. So at in chorus this year, we are singing the song, God never moves without purpose or plan when trying his servant and molding a man. Um... Anyhow, the chorus goes, Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. He makes no mistake. For he knoweth, knoweth the path of each... Rejoice in the Lord. He makes no mistake. Now, our family sings this by memory. We've been singing it for 12 years, and I can't remember the words. God never moves without purpose or plan when trying a servant and molding a man. Give thanks to the Lord, though your testing seems long, in darkness he giveth a song. Now someone said, there's a lot of commitment to this song. Well, we don't think about it as a commitment. We think about it as where we have been and the result on the other side. This, we call this your Kendra song. So. The chorus is, O rejoice in the Lord, he makes no mistakes. He knoweth the end of each path that I take. For when I am tried and purified, I shall come forth as gold. Do we, would we all aspire to that? Absolutely. Yeah, we want to come forth as gold. Uh, we're not so sure about going through the trials, but yeah, we, we, we want that. But, as I just said, we want to live in the cabin in the shadow of the Rocky Mountains with perfect temperatures and light breezes. But we're willing to be tried and purified, but not too willing. We don't really like that. I mean, how many of you, how many of you like suffering? <laughs> we don't like to be cold or hungry or unclothed. We're trying to prepare for what's coming. We don't like being in distress. We try to control our variables. And Jesus says, you know, don't worry, but do what I want you to do. You do what I want you to do, and I'll take care of you. Which sounds great, but does it always work out so well in this life here below? It kind of goes against my grain. So, my grandparents moved to northern Minnesota in the 40s. Yeah, in the early 40s, 1940s, they moved to northern Minnesota. And... They were missionaries in the house where I live now. That's where they lived. And then they moved over to Grayston. 
And that's where Arnie Scrivseth's family came into the church. And because of my grandparents, not, I mean, it was because of the Lord, but my grandparents were the ones that were there and they were the missionaries. And that's, you know, when Arnie became a Christian when he was 12 years old. That's, and, and look at, and look at the Scrivseth's all over the nation. I always take note at Bible school and, and there are four of them there this year. Um, I start, I'm now at the, Great grandchildren. I got to look back at the grandchildren as soon as I can figure out where they trace. But I, I try to figure that out every year, pretty much. But you know, and so that was a great thing to do, right? When our family moved to northern Minnesota in '84, my grandma says, "Why would you move back there? It's cold. It's miserable." Because when my dad would get up in the morning, the water bucket that they pulled out of the well in the yard would have ice on it in the morning. And Grandpa worked, he would leave before my dad got up in the morning and he would get home after they got home at night. And they worked and worked and worked to survive and they were poor as church mice. And that really doesn't sound like a lot of fun, does it? I would say they put the Lord's kingdom first, but it didn't really work out so well for them, did it? You know, Felix Mons, he helped start the Reformation and my understanding is they tied his arms together and they put him over his legs like this and they put a stick in between his legs and tied a rope on it so he's hanging upside down and they let him down off the edge of the barge in the river and then after a while they pull him up and say, what do you think? How's this going for you? Do you want to recant or are you going to... How'd that turn out for him? That used to just terrorize me. I'm kind of claustrophobic and to think of drowning would be like the worst thing that could happen to you, you know? I just like, oh, what just think about that? It didn't work out so well. You just, you just commit yourself to me and I'll take care of you. Huh? Is that, uh, that kind of goes cross grain to what I want. And I, I'll be the first to admit that I read this passage and this is not the way I think. This is not my Western way of thinking at all. This, this passage here, it's always good for me to work in it and I go through it and say, wow, that, okay, God, that's right. That's, that's what I'll do. And then I'll come back a few months later and I read that again. Oh, ouch. Okay, yep, yep. Yeah, kind of push reset. Yep, that's what we'll do. Yep, that's what we'll do. Um, but this is, this is, this is not fit Western Christianity. We don't, we don't like this. We've tried to figure it all out so that, cover all our variables so that we have need of nothing is kind of what we've tried to do. But you know what? Even if you try to figure it all out, you still don't have it all figured out. There's still troubles in life. We can't cover the variables. We can't control life. All it does is bring distress and worry into our lives. Turn to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The premise of Christianity is surrender. In our Western world, we we think we can be Christians and... Still live like whatever. I asked this question in my class on Friday. So I'm teaching Pilgrim Living, which used to be separation, nonconformity. P- 
put a new title to it. And uh, I was talking about the Christian and his lifestyle. So I said, uh, so describe our lifestyle. So how many cars do you have in your household? The average number of cars, just I didn't do it, didn't add it all up, but just the average number of cars, I just roughly figured, was four cars per household. Okay, that's our average. So how many of you have four-wheelers or ATVs? Yeah, most of them did. Boat, yeah, several did. Cabins, yeah, had a couple of those. I said, so how should our lifestyle be different than the lifestyle of those around us? Well, I don't know. I, you mean it's supposed to be, it shouldn't be like everyone else? I was just kind of, I mean, we're Christians. We have a different calling. And, and I told my wife, I said, okay, I'm still learning these life lessons and they're 17. Okay, give them a break. I, don't, don't be so hard on them. But we're, the Christian life is not, a, you know, we just think well, we can be a Christian and, and we can be a light and, and we serve the Lord out of our surplus and we get involved in these good things we like to do, you know, and so, you know, some of you guys are on SARS. We've got people in our church on SARS, you know, and that's kind of the, that's, it really isn't costing them all that much. I mean, there's some time and there's some investment, but really, they're not like poor and destitute because they're involved in this ministry. It's just kind of like we do it out of our surplus. And and we just, that's okay. But Christianity is about denying himself, taking up his cross, and whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Uh, we should just expect that the Christian life is going to be difficult, that there will, or that there will be things that could be difficult. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 10 and verse 16. Matthew 10 and verse 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves, but beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils and they will scourge you in the synagogues. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in the same hour that ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child. And the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. But when they persecute you in this city, flee into another, for verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man come. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master, and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light, and what ye hear in the ear, that preach on the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him that is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows worth, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. And whosoever, <coughs> whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. 
Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I am come not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Jesus said, expect trials. They're going to come. If they don't come just because we're humans living in this life, we're going to have trials and, and persecutions from those around us who do not view life as we do. Don't fear death. Our leader was murdered. And he said, so why would the disciple be above his master? That's what happened to him. It could happen to us. Don't worry. God knows the sparrows. God knows the, how many hairs you have on your head. He knows, he knows all that stuff. Don't worry about it. And verse 28 says, And fear not. Verse 31 says, Fear ye not, therefore. A lot of things in life we look at it's because we're fearful of them and we don't like them. I recently preached on a series through David. and So David is called of God to be the king of Israel. He knows he's going to be the king of Israel. Samuel's anointed him to be the king of Israel. Saul told him, you're going to be the next king of Israel. And one of his, after I, when David came and either took his water jug or cut off his robe or whatever it was, there, Saul says, you're going, to, you're going to be it. You're the next guy. And what does David do? He gets scared and runs away. Uh, God told him, you're going to, this is what's going to happen. You're going to be the king. And he runs off. And uh, God spares him. And then, and then he runs down to Achish. He goes down to the world. He goes down to the Philistines and, and camps out there for a while because he, because he's worried that things aren't going to go well for him and he's worried about his life. So he runs down there. And the end result of that is that the enemy comes in and takes his family and his possessions and burns his city and, and that all, you know, they all take them away and then his men turn against him and want to stone him. Because he's running away. Now, how all, how all God works with that, I don't know. But I can't, I don't think it was right for him to go to the enemy. But and it didn't work out well. But then, the priest who assisted David, you know, gave him Goliath's sword and stuff. Remember what happened to him? He's killed along with his whole family. You know, here he is assisting the Lord's anointed. And gives him a little sustenance for his way, and Saul finds out and comes in and destroyed the whole family. Well, that, that didn't work out so well. So I say all that to say this. Life is challenging, and this summer was kind of a crazy summer for us. Uh, this spring we found out that our uh, next to the youngest one has diabetes. And so, hmm, how do we do this? The doctor said, uh, you can't do self-pay on this. You have to be a millionaire to be able to afford diabetes. So we're trying to figure out how to treat and what to treat and what systems to use and what 
tools you buy to use and how you're going to pay for all this. And so I'm kind of thinking about that. And uh, we live in the big old mission house there by the church, and we rent it. And it has 10 bedrooms and takes, you know, 17 quarter firewood. And we plow the church driveway and mow the churchyard, and it all kind of all did in there together. And if you come to youth rally, my wife was the one that cleaned the house and made the beds. And if you come to minister's meeting, my wife is the one that cleans the house and makes the beds. And uh, we just kind of run everything there. And my wife says, you know, by the time we're... Time she's 55, she would like to be moved out to something a little slower. So, okay, it's a good plan. Well, my sister's moving back, and so about in March or April, they were there to visit, and they said, you know what, we'd be willing to move in the big house if you would like to move out. Well, here's our chance. Let's go for it. You know, we're going to get out of here while we can. Because <laughs> not just anybody wants to live in the big old house. So, uh, so now what are we going to do? Where are we going to live? Well, we've been planning for a number of years. We have some land. We thought we could build over there. Um, this is Kuchichin County, and you're not going to get back the money you put into a house. So this seems like rather a foolish thing to build a house. Um, some people thought we should have a different spot to build a house because this is a poor place for resale. Oh, well, okay, Lord, maybe you have another place for us. And I didn't want to build a house. I just want to buy an old one and fix it up. And so I'm looking for that, but there's no place in Loman. And... So every, every day I come home, I'd be looking, now it's 20 miles home, you know, and I only got about a five mile stretch there where I want to, I want to be in Loman by our church. Okay. That's our community. That's our neighborhood. If I didn't have our church there, I'd go move 20 miles away to the falls. There's housing there, but I want to be out by our church, by our neighbors where the light has been all these years. And that's where I want to be. So I'm on my way home from work. And it's like, well, Lord, what's, <clears throat> what's there here for us today? I'm like, is there any for sale signs up? Any land for sale? Any houses for sale? You know, and every day it was the same. I mean, there's only 15 people living at the moment. There's only so many options, you know. And what, what, you know, what about this? And so I'm looking, at, I'm looking at this, and looking at this, and every day on the way home, Lord, what do you have for us? What do you have for us? And and so there's a little renter over at our a little old house where we where we own there, and there's a renter in there, and she's giving me a little bit every month, and. She loves the place and she doesn't want to move and she's going to get upset if I tell her to move. So Lord, maybe we should just build somewhere else and leave her there and we kind of become a friend and so what do we do? Oh yeah, besides summertime is when it's always busy at work, you know, and we're just going from leave 6.30 in the morning, get home at 6 o'clock at night and you're just wide open all day. Okay, so that's in the middle of all this soup. I'm sitting there in my chair in the morning to have my devotions and I'm sitting there and after about 10 minutes, I realized that I'm thinking about houses and renters and work and building and buying and I'm not having my devotions, okay? I'm just, I'm just kind of, my world's just kind of all wrapped up in all these decisions I have to make. And that's, that's my life and my set of worries. You got your own set of worries. You know, if it's too wet, you can't get in the fields or it's too wet, you can't get things out of the fields or if you have medical issues that you, you have your, we all have our things that we sit and we think about. That's life. That's that's the way life is. Life is full of things to be decided and to do, and it and it can you know, and things don't always work out the way we plan. One of the men in our church, he he's been working for a logger for years, and so he decided that he would buy his own buncher and he'd go fall for one of the other guys in church, and so he went and bought a buncher and all it did was break down all winter. And he just watched what he had in his savings, what was left in his savings, just go away all winter long. You know, so come springtime, and now he has an old machine and no money. 
it, it really didn't work out very well for him at all. Uh, his plan, he decided every day that he had a, every day he had a problem, he'd just buy, stop at the gas station, buy an ice cream bar. And pretty soon, the people at the gas station started recognizing him because he was coming in every day and buying an ice cream bar, you know? It did not turn out the way, life does not turn out how we plan. So, somewhere in the midst of this summer, I, I just had this visual of writing my concerns, my problems, if you can call building a new house a problem, um, the things I was concerned about, just writing those on a note card. I'd be having my devotions, or trying to have my devotions, like, oh yeah, I forget that stuff. And I'd just like visually write this on a card and just like hand it to the Lord. Here you go, you take care of this. And I'll go on with my day. I still need to make decisions. I still need to decide if I'm going to buy a house, if I'm going to build a house, if I'm going to buy a different land, if I'm... Maybe I should just stay where I am. That might be an option too. I still need to decide that. But then I came, you know what? So in the midst of my difficulties, decisions, I need to say, okay, Lord, this is what I think I'm going to do. So I'm trying to cover my variables, right? I want it to have everything under control. Do it right. Okay, this is, Lord, what I'm going to do. But it's here in my open hand. And if you change it, you change it. And so, Lord, I think we're going to build a house. Unless you have a different plan. And so we move that direction. Unless he changes the plan. And then, well, okay, Lord, and we'll go here. If And, and we'll just... And I hope I'm not like my electrician who said he prayed really hard and finally felt peace that he could go buy that new $55,000 Corvette. I hope I'm not, that's, that's not what I'm trying to say this morning. But I really felt like, I, I really struggled through all the options and it's just like, okay, this is, we just kept, the Lord kept, this is where we go, this is where we go, this is where we go. And I have a sense of peace in that. But you know, that didn't take care of all my problems. Because now I have, so what if something happens to that new house I just put all my money in? So God knows that too. I have an open hand. This is what God has for us. So I'm going to give my cares, my, how am I going to clothe myself? How am I going to feed myself? How am I going to retire? All these things. I'm just going to give them to him. And not that we don't think about those things, and not, but you can have, you can be the Queen of England and have all your ducks in a row, and then one steps out of line, and then you're in trouble. You can have everything all figured out. You can have the best retirement plan, you can have the best medical plan, you can have the nicest house, you can have the best whatever, and something goes awry, and if you're trying to hang on to it, it doesn't work. We just have to have open hands. So what are your needs this morning? At our church, I handed out note cards. And I said, you don't have to write your needs on these note cards. But they're going to be bouncing around in your Bible, and every time you see that note card, it's going to remind you of that. Or your kid's going to be playing with his sometime to say his. And you, We all have an open hand, or we should all have an open hand. We all have a note card that we can give our needs to the Lord. What are, what are your needs? Um... We can all give them to the Lord. Is it going to work out the way I want it to? No. 
Probably not. But you know, God never moves without purpose or plan. Oh, rejoice in the Lord, he makes no mistake. Some of the hardest things in life are the best things in our life. At least in our lives. We look back at some of the most difficult things, and there was some of the most rewarding things. That's where we learn the most. You don't learn a lot sitting in your cabin, putzing around the yard in the shadow of the Rockies. That's not where we learn and grow. We learn and grow in the hard times. So sometimes we end a sermon and say, well, may God give you grace to do this. You know what? I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say God will give you grace to do this. Because his grace is sufficient. If we leave it up to him.